Welcome to the first season of Arise Esther, a podcast for today's Esthers, women who are ready to rise up in bold, courageous faith like Esther of old. She stepped up to lead when life was tough and hope was dim, but faith was fierce. Hi, I'm Dawn Scott Damon, your podcast host. I get to talk to some of the most resilient women on the planet. They've all tackled difficult life crises head-on and triumphed. And now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. My guest is a very special lady, but if you're listening, let me surprise you. She is an award-winning author, a speaker, and a historian. So this is going to be a very educational as well as spiritual and inspirational podcast today. My guest is Cynthia Simmons, author of the Gold series, Valuing Gold, Pursuing Gold, and Coming Out in the Spring, Reflecting Gold. I'd like you to welcome to the Arise Esther podcast, Cynthia Simmons. Hey, Cynthia. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. We're excited to hear about all the things that have gone into your latest work. And But first of all, I have to say you are a busy woman. You're mm-hmm. fully engaged in the call of God and you're, you're tearing it up. You're an award-winning author. This series is doing great. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, I'm also a radio host, too, so I tackle any technology, and I'll try anything at least once and sometimes twice to see if I can master it. Yes, right. And I should share with the, with the audience to hear all of this because you are the president of the Christian Authors Guild. Yeah. You're an advanced writer and speaker, part of that association. You're a certified media coach with AWSA. Yes. You do the Heart of the, Ra- Heart of the Matter radio, and I've been on your radio program a few years right. back. And you're part of the Christian Authors Network. I mean, you, you have also authored the author of Women Who Overcame Bible mm-hmm. Study. Yes. And we love that topic here on Arise Esther because we're all about women who have overcome and you have to have overcome some things in your life to know something about yeah. that. Okay. So um, tell us, uh, yes, a little bit more about yourself and what inspired you to get writing on this gold series? Well, I like to research history because I'm just a curious person. And then as I unearth stuff, I really believe it's important for us to share what the Lord has given to us. And I have had, I have just been blessed with my marriage and with my home. And I believe that that's because of scriptural principles that my husband started using the minute we got married. And I want to share those with other people. And so what better way than to write a novel and to kind of communicate that way. And then with this Value and Gold novel, I've also got a little Bible study online that you can download that some of the topics that are in there, I take those and expand on those with a little Bible study. So I'm always trying to think of ways that I can reach women and reach women with the word and really communicate who God is and how he changes our lives. That's so important. And I love that because I'm part of that same sisterhood, helping women live a full and fierce life. Because I think 
especially now as I'm getting up in age, um, Titus 2.4, that the older yeah. women should empower and teach the younger women. Mm -hmm. What are they going to find? What is the reader going to find if they open up and start reading in this gold series? Well, I think they will find we are living in such dangerous and such scary times. But that particular time that I wrote in, which is the Civil War era, was very, very much the same. And I think you don't get that sometimes when you just read a history book because people were mad at each other and fussing with each other. And there was a lot of tension everywhere. And money was a problem because the Constitution had said that you could only use gold and silver for exchange. And so whenever you have a war, there's never enough gold and silver. And so particularly in the South, there was a lot of counterfeiting and people didn't want that paper because they didn't know if it was any good. So that creates a whole level of tension there. You need something and you have to find a way to buy it. So how are you going to do that? Yeah. Oh, intriguing. What got you interested in, well, you said you're curious, but Civil War era, era and in, in history, what started that passion for you? Well, I grew up in a home that was really, really close to a Civil War battlefield. I was in Chattanooga, and the Chickamauga battlefield was just miles from us. And it was huge. We did a lot of picnicking there and so on, and we'd go for walks there and bike rides. And so my dad loved history. He was always talking about the gun and this, this cannon. And so I just loved history from the very beginning. And I just assumed that everybody grew up next to a huge battlefield. And this was an important battle, too. Chattanooga was a very important part of the Civil War. I just assumed everybody did. And so then I married, I became a nurse and I married a man who loved money, who was, a, he manages money, that's his job. And so then I got interested in the money of the Civil War and began to research that. That was a lot harder because there's a lot less written on that. And most people don't realize that, you know, gold and silver came first and then paper came later. People didn't trust paper because it could be counterfeited much more easily, mm -hmm. which now we're having a lot of talk about the election, how you can cheat with the election. So it's, there's a lot of similarities in that time and this time. You bring up such a great point because I don't think that we all recognize the fact that times were difficult. We, we look at the times that we live in now and we go, oh, this is so bad. Surely Jesus must be coming soon. But I think that every era has had a moment where they thought this has got to be it. How can the world get any worse? Yes. What were some of the difficulties? You mentioned a few, but what would it be like to be a woman living in that time? Well, you would have to obviously be more involved in the day-to-day -day making of things in your home. You were not allowed to do certain things. There were things that they considered to be only for men. So you might even be making your own candles and cooking more of your meals than you would in a time like this. Um, and then there were things that, like this particular lady in my book, Mary Beth, her father was a banker and her mother was dead. So her father taught her banking. And so she got some criticism for being involved with the bank. So yeah. things were very different. Yeah, see, this is what we love. Women doing things that, you know, we say you're not supposed to or not allowed to or you'll never be successful. And mm -hmm. so you have, her name is Mary Beth. Mm -hmm the heroine in this book and um, how, how through the pages of this are you demonstrating what you value? H how do you show that if you value the wrong thing, you're going to get the wrong outcome, yes. right? 
that was what that was my goal in this book and and they had to think about what they valued because if you value the wrong things and pursue those the outcome is very different than if you per, 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 pursue godliness and so i wanted to show that in every book there's a little bit of an example of how these people that pursued the wrong things really ended up with problems i mean the old testament tells us that the wicked man sets a snare and gets caught in his own snare so it's really important for us to think about what we value and i think today in the midst of all the chaos that we're facing what do we value because that is so important for eternity yeah and people do value money right i know we know that it money can't buy happiness we hear that but yet at the same time we still we we're tempted to put our value into material things aren't we Yes, we are. And yet at the same time, we have to learn to trust God with the circumstances that we're in, knowing that God knows the end from the beginning and he is the only one that has total control. You know, you can rest in your husband or or rest in your, you know, in your pastor, but they don't have complete control. It is God who does. And you have to make sure that even in hard times that you control your thoughts and you don't let the circumstances around you upset you. Yeah, I like that controlling your thoughts. And that's what the Bible says that whatever's pure or noble or trustworthy or, or praiseworthy, think on these things. And, 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 and when you think on those things, then you find yourself feeling more empowered, more uplifted, more victorious versus when you're focusing on the negative thing, you feel defeated, and then you begin to act defeated in living out in nervous, you know, edgy. And we know plenty of times in the Bible, think about um, some of the Old Testament stories. They had to trust God. And and then God took them through. Think about the man that got thrown in the fiery furnace. I mean, <laughs> that's being burned up. But they didn't get burned up because God was with them. So we need to trust God like they did. They didn't know what the outcome was going to be. We do, but they didn't. Yes. Well, let me ask you a personal question, if I may, then, because you've also written books about overcoming and women in the Bible who did. What about your personal life? Was there a time where you had to really trust God? And I, I mean, I know the answer to that, of course, is going to be yes. But but what about a time where you felt like, man, am I going to overcome did you put some of yourself in these books? Oh, yes. There was a time years ago when I first started writing that my husband became very, very sick. And at the same time, my family began falling apart and I was, you know, kind of trying to hold it all together. He had a brain infection. Can you imagine that? And this man, he's extremely intelligent. He's a Bible teacher and his brain is who he is. And so here I was as a nurse trying to make sure that everything got done and make sure that, you know, the, everything got done at the house as well as watching over the doctors. And one doctor told me, don't plan on taking this guy home because he's really sick. He's going to be six months in a rehab center, learning how to walk and talk and tie his shoes and all that. And that was terrifying. Oh my goodness. Well, that was terrifying. So you tell us the rest of the story. You had to learn to trust God. You were a believer then, obviously. I was a believer. And I had, there was one night that there was a nurse that was looking at his chart and she said, Oh my goodness, his numbers are absolutely terrible. So here I am starting to tear up because the whole day had been so tense. He'd had, he started off with him having a seizure in the morning and we rushed him to the hospital. And you know, the whole day was full of tension as they came back and brought me tests and all kinds of stuff. 
And so I began to cry beside his bed and she goes, Oh no, 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 you can't do that. He may not, he may see your tension and not be able to get well. So stop it. And so here I am. I sucked it all in thinking I can't do this right now, but what am I going to do? I mean, that was the scariest time of my life because I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but I tried to make sure I had doctors. I fired a doctor right in the middle of all of that. I fired the man that, that, that told me all this stuff. This is absolutely the way it's going to be. And I said, I don't think so. I know him. I know his situation. I don't think he's as bad as you think he is. I was the one who was right. He was wrong. Now, my husband, it took him probably four years to completely recover, and he still has problems remembering words, but I had to hang in there and be strong for him and advocate for him as a, as a wife and as a nurse and, and not give in to the fear that this guy was putting in me. Yeah, that's that's what it means to be a an, an Esther, an Esther for such a time as this. You had to rise up to that moment because there was nothing else you could do except for cave in, right, and give up. That wouldn't have done any good. And what good was that? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I bet your husband talks about it a lot or you guys, when you reflect back and remember that that was a time where you had to pull on the strength that you could find and trust and lean in God. Yes, I did. And it's really funny how at the same time, my mother also got sick and my father kept going, having panic attacks and trying to call the kids kept him away from me and tried to manage it. And I would just kind of give them advice because Daddy was out of control. He was so panicked that he didn't know how to handle it. I would give them advice and then they would keep him away from me until we got through the crisis part of it. It was a really difficult time. That was a challenging time in your life. And so what is the one piece of, we talk about gold, what is the one piece of gold that you got from that fire that you take with you in your ministry or your life? I, you know, I learned that God is with me. There was one time, and I love telling this story, this person called that was worked with my husband and they apologized. They said, no, we just feel so bad that your husband is so sick. You know, what would, what can we get for you? We want to do something for you. And I thought, oh my goodness, I, I hate to demand anything. You know, the Lord is going to take care of me. But as I hung up the phone, I envisioned a dish garden. So, because I wanted something in the room that was live, we were in an intermediate intensive care unit, and I thought it would be so nice to have some flowers or something in the room. And I pictured something maybe three or four inches big, you know, how those little dish gardens. That's what I thought of when I hung up the phone, but I didn't say a word. The next day, something came that was absolutely huge. It was a dish garden, but it was huge. And I said, "The Lord heard my thoughts." Yeah. I didn't say a thing. I didn't even pray but he heard my thoughts. Yeah. I think that's so comforting to know that sometimes there's no words you can even put to a prayer. And yet God knows the very thoughts that are within us. And so that he would answer that in such a specific and personal way for you is miraculous. So now how many years ago was this that you walked through this? That was 2008. So I guess that's 12 years. So that's not, you know, that's not like 25 years ago. That's still relatively fresh for you all. So let me shift gears just a little bit. You know, when you do your writing, so when you walk through that, that experience, you've, you're already an award-winning author. You're already in the ministry. Did you ever feel like there was a time where you thought, you know what, God, I'm done. I, I, did you ever feel kind of 
not angry, but just kind of at the end of your rope, like, you know, exasperated? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There were times when I thought, oh, goodness, why am I doing this? Everybody else is doing this, too. So why am I doing it? Yeah. And I had picked out one particular person. I thought that person is going to see my value and she's going to help me get into, you know, a, a publishing company. Well, it turns out she was too busy and didn't have time. So I thought, how is this going to work? And, you know, the Lord had a different plan. He did his job and I did my job and I just trusted him and it came and it happened. Yeah. So full circle, we come back to just trusting God. I know that, you know, I'm an author as well and a speaker and, and a pastor and obviously podcast host. (laughs) But um, yeah, there's times where you think, you know, what difference can I make? Everybody's out there. Everybody's doing this, but it comes full circle to just trusting God and saying, you know what, this is the gift that he's put inside of me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many other people are doing it. I still have a responsibility to steward the gift that God has put inside of me. And so whether my audience is one or a thousand or 10,000, I still need to do the thing that God put in me to do because only in that will I be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so do you find your fulfillment? Are you using the gifts that God has put inside? What would you say to other women who are about to give up on the gift inside of them? I would say, if God has given you a dream, go for it, because he knows how to make it come true. Yes. So do, when you were writing your books, did you see yourself as writing? How many you've authored? Is it six books? Well, let's see. I have one about Lincoln. I also have a curriculum for the Valuing Gold, and I've got some Bible studies. I get, I, I lose count. <laughs> And then I've got a lot of articles too. I actually do sometimes little history snippets. I'll take and make a Bible study out of it or I'm devotional. Yeah. So you've been doing this for a long, long time. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, you're you're ancient. Speaking of that, do you have children and grandchildren or? Five children and I homeschooled all of them. And then I've got one grandbaby. Okay. Oh, the grandbabies, they're so wonderful. So you have five children, one grandchild, granddaughter, granddaughter. Okay, Mm -hmm. beautiful. And so what's the future for Cynthia? How many more books in yours? Tell us about the one that's coming out in the spring. The one that's coming out in the spring is called Reflecting Gold. And that is, I'm kind of walking through um, kind of a timeline here because first you value gold and then you pursue gold and then you reflect it in your life. You make sure that people can see Christ in you. Okay, so let's say that again because that's really good. Let's make the spiritual connection with that. First you pursue gold. Oh, value gold. Yes. And then you pursue it. And then because you, pers- you know that it's valuable. And then you let that reflect out of your life so that people can see that you're different. Okay. So first you value it. Um, and in the spiritual realm, would that mean valuing the gold lessons that God gives us? Or would that be God himself? I mean, what's the, do you know well, what I mean? Scripture. And his, and his way, you know, that walking according to scripture is so much more important than living selfishly. It works better. Yes. Yes. Oh, so you value the scripture and you're going after the true treasures of life and life itself, which is Jesus. So you value it and then you hunger for it, don't you? You pursue it. You pursue it. You pursue it. And then you let that reflect out of your life so that you are showing other people the beauty of the gold in your heart. 
Yes. And, you know, that's, I think that's the easy part. And yet when you're really in love with God and you're really pursuing the things that you have the right, you're valuing the right things and you're after the things that are, that God wants you to be after, then it's easy to reflect. But sometimes when we go through trials, you know, we wonder if we're really reflecting God in this trial or if we're reflecting like I feel yes. overwhelmed and yes. I'm de- right. Right. Well, at that moment, that's when you have to plug your mind into the scripture, get music going, start thinking about godly things. Philippians four says, you know, you need to be thinking about what is good, what is excellent, what is beautiful. That's where you plug your mind in. Yes. That's what you do. And you, per- and when you do that, you will reflect. Have mm-hmm. there ever been a time um, as we're, as we're getting ready to wrap up our time, has there been a time where, and I'm sure during this crisis with your husband, that in, in the midst of your pain, you had the opportunity to reflect the gold that you were getting from the fire? Well, that's a good question because I was trying very hard to be confident in Christ, although sometimes I let myself worry. Um, I remember during that time, there was just so much coming at me that I had to almost process, you know, with all the, the technical stuff with his, with his physical body because he was so messed up. You know, we don't think about my cat is coughing over. I hope that you can't hear that. But he, his, the part of his brain that has to do with heating and cooling kind of got messed up because of his brain injury. And so sometimes if he got hot or cold, he would start almost felt like he was going to throw up. And so I had to be constantly processing how to help him get through it. Um, and one time he got a little bit on edge and he started weeping in public, you know, so there were all these things that were trying to kind of put it together for him so I could kind of get him through the rough spots. Mm. So it was kind of, it was kind of a lot of pressure to, you know, continue to be there and be strong for him so that, you know, men have their egos. They don't like to look bad in public. They don't like to burst into tears in public. Women do, but men don't do that. So I think that was me trying to be strong for him. And yeah. trying to help him get through it. You know, it never ceases to um, surprise me when I interview woman after woman. And, and you know, Cynthia, we, we all want to talk about the accolades um, or play our, our highlight reel for the world to see. But you're reflecting gold even right now in this moment. I am always amazed at how every woman has experienced some kind of trauma crisis life. And those that have this trust in God that you're talking about, those that know his name and call on Jesus, they, they reflect his goal. They, they, they survive, but you know, not to be cliche, but they thrive. (laughs) Um, Your testimony is beautiful that you stood by your husband's side and that you were faithful, that you continued on, you prayed that man through, and you believed, you removed doubt out of the room, even saying, hey, doctor, bye-bye, get me another one. I fired him. (laughs) You know, that's an Esther, that's a modern-day Esther saying, no, it's, you know, we're not doing this today. We're not going that way, and we didn't, and we didn't. He left the hospital in 11 days miraculous living in the miraculous 
And so thank you for sharing that. What's the, um, what's the dream yet ahead of you? I asked you that earlier and then I kind of interrupted you. We're from here. Well, I love history. And so I may pick a different time period. Um, I'm, like I say, I'm always reading it and, and using it. So I may pick a different time period. I may pick a person and write about him. I've, I've done a lot of study on Susanna Spurgeon, who is uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon's wife. So I'd like to write about her. I'm not sure what form that's going to take. I've actually written a novel about her that did never get published. So I may go back and revisit and, and do that. So there's a lot that I could do. Wonderful. That's great. If you uh, today could inspire anyone who's in the middle of a crisis or perhaps they have the wrong value system, they're searching for that silver and gold, what would you say to them today? Well, you know, one thing I learned through all the stuff I've been through is that sometimes you have to take a long view of things. Like for instance, Esther, you know, um, our the other lady in the, in the New Testament, Ruth, you know, nobody told her when she started this whole thing of losing her husband and all that, that she would be in the line of Christ. I mean, nobody told her that she had to go through all of this and go glean in somebody's yard and all that kind of stuff. And yet because of her faith, she ended up being in the line of Christ. What a privilege, what a joy to have been able to be that way. So I think you have to sometimes look past all of that and realize that as Christians, our future is secure. It doesn't matter what happens in the short run, you know, with the political stuff or, you know, war and fighting and all that kind of stuff. We are secure. We are, we can be certain of that because we know the outcome on the other end of, the, of life. And that's where we have to put our faith, not necessarily in the little ups and downs of everyday life. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's so well said. You just said something that, you know what, I've never really thought about before. The fact that, you know what, Ruth never knew that she was in the, in the lineage of Jesus Christ until um, she got to heaven. That's probably one of the rewards that she got, isn't it? to be able to know. I mean, we know it, but she didn't know that. And so she was living by faith. I guess that's what Hebrews 12 talks about when, yeah. when he says that, you know, she's in the, the hall of faith, but she didn't even know it mm -hmm. until she got there and, and received her reward. So we don't know sometimes what effect we may have on the people around us or what the ultimate outcome is of our choices. And it could be a blessing in eternity. And a lot of times it is because we're choosing good. Yes. Amen. So, so keep on keeping on and keep walking in faith because we do, we live by faith, not by sight. And so we may not on this side of heaven ever know, and there will be things we won't ever know. It's not a, it's not an if it's for sure. We won't see the ripple effect, but there still is a ripple effect and there still is a generational blessing that we get to pass down to mm -hmm. to those that follow us that's right a thousand years a thousand years that's what the blessing is that for those who are trusting him he blesses to the thousandth generation yes so good amen well this is the author of the gold series tell us where we can find you cynthia if someone wants to get your book and can they pre-order your next book we can't pre-order that yet because it's okay. still 
process, but you can find me on Amazon and we will be in bookstores once I've got some corrections to make and then it will be in bookstores, but you can find me at clsimmons.com and there's a reason for that. Okay. My father was C period L period. He did not have a name. And so he gave me the initials Cynthia Lynn. And so I use those initials on purpose. If you, if you put in Cynthia L Simmons, you can find me everywhere. So my website is clsimmons.com in memory of my father. Beautiful. Another generational blessing being passed down to you. Yes. <laughs> we'll also have all of those addresses found in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing. And you inspire us. You inspire us to keep on going and to keep trusting God. You also inspire us to dig into some history and maybe, you know what, take a little um, journey and do a little journaling or typing our own selves, write a little story. Thank you for doing that today. And thank you for being a modern day Esther. Hey, this is Don Scott Damon, your host today, asking you a question. Is this your moment to arise? I hope you enjoyed the show today. If you found value, make sure that you visit ariseesther.captivate.fm like us, love us, and review us. And hey, want to join the movement? Visit us on thearisemovement.com to get connected. And for more information about me, your freedom coach and host, visit freedomgirlsisterhood.com. And while you're there, take the 60-day freedom challenge. You'll be so glad you did. Until we meet again, keep rising. This is your moment.